The following is brought to you by Braided Media. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Narratives of Purpose podcast. We are back and we are kicking off season two with some amazing and incredible guests. I am still so impressed by their generosity in accepting to join me on the show. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Claire Morigande and I am your host on this podcast, which actually started about a year ago as a simple idea to bring stories of people I knew and people I was following from a distance closer to a global audience. Now, what is special about these stories is that although these are people just like you and me, what they do is simply remarkable. They are contributing to social change in their communities or around the world. So let's get started with our guest on this new episode. Her name is Kevin Kajirimhundu. She is based in Kigali and she's the co-founder and CEO of Uzuri K&Y, which is a shoe brand and a manufacturer established in Rwanda since 2013. This is no ordinary shoe brand because they create sustainable products. At the same time, they improve people's lives in vulnerable urban communities through education and employment. In our discussion, Kevin talks about their entrepreneurial journey, their mission to recycle waste into functional footwear, and also going through the challenging times of the COVID-19 pandemic. Please take a moment to rate and review our show by subscribing on your preferred podcast app. But for now, have a listen to Kevin's story, her passion for sustainability and empowering youth and women. Well, good morning and welcome to you, Kevin Kajirimundu. Thank you so much, Claire, and thanks for the invitation. You're welcome. It's really my pleasure. I'm really happy to have you today on the podcast and that you accepted to join me and also to talk about your company, uh, Uzuri KNY. You are not only the co-founder and CEO, but you were also named among the top 10 heroes creating change across Africa in 2019 by the Africa Netpreneur Prize Initiative. Congratulations to you on Thanks that. So Thanks so much. It was such a, an honor to be part of it in 2019 and be part of such an amazing group of uh, entrepreneurs across Africa, I mean, Sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, South Africa, it was impressive. I, I was wondering if you could um, give me a bit more of an introduction on yourself, a bit of your background, and especially, you know, how you came up with this idea to start this, uh, this company. So tell me more about that. Uh, you mentioned so much about myself, but a little bit about my background is, is I was born and raised in Rwanda, Kigali, was born to a teacher and an entrepreneur. And um, unfortunately, I lost both my parents in 1994, tragedy, genocide against Tutsi. And of course, as you grow, you just continue to find yourself as you find your voice as a young woman in this world. Um, I, I just surprisingly was born in a family of people who are talented, surprisingly, artists, painters, architects, and some poets and so much more. Um, but I didn't care so much about it because my goal has always been be excellent in school so that you can get a scholarship and 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 what was going well then um 
if I may jump to my life in high school, what was going well was, you know, being a student in sciences and um, just knowing that if I finish high school, I'm going to go to university and probably continue sciences. But then you just, I guess as you continue growing, you you just want to find your own purpose, not the purpose that has been manufactured by the society. Because, you know, if you study sciences, you're going to get a scholarship and ABCD. Um, so I joined university in 20, was the beginning of 2012. And um, as we joined, I, I was going to study civil engineering for sure. I was like, okay, this is it. But I was not, I was terrified. I was not happy with it. I didn't see myself as an engineer and um, which I loved. I love physics. I love all, I, I love science till today, but I thought that I had way more, uh, a bigger purpose than that. Um, and I remember just going to the school that I was oriented to, or the government had just oriented me to. I just went to the school and I couldn't see myself studying in a class. And the first thing we started studying was algorithm, which was something we were studying in high school anyway. And I was like, you know what? I did that already. I don't think I can do that again. So I got out of the, school, the class and I went to the registrar general of the school, the university. I asked her if she can change. And I had just noticed like a different other options uh, and I decided to join the creative designs and environmental builds which was a new faculty under architecture and I was like I just need to be part of this and she wasn't impressed because she's like you're just throwing away a huge opportunity because you know engineering is the way to go I remember just asking her for a period of two weeks I wasn't attending classes. I wasn't doing anything. I, was, I think I was on the verge of just, I'm going to drop out if they don't give me the opportunity to study something that I feel like I can truly do as a person. And that could really fulfill my purpose. And luckily, she allowed me to change my faculty and I went to Creative Design and Environmental Builds. And that's where I met my uh, um, business partner today, who is Isold. Um, and she was already part of the uh, uh, creative designs department. So, yeah, um, it kicked off from then and we became friends and we started just talking about the future. How are we going to be employed? That was a big question, like who's going to employ us? Because as you may know, 60% of the total unemployment rate in Africa is made of the youth. It's the youth. And, and among that 60%, women are likely to be unemployed even more often than, than a men, than young men. So we were so worried about it. And we started just discussing what can we do with our talents? What can we do with our hands? We're super good with creating um, different products, prototypes and samples, and just putting together ideas, a collage of ideas and, and coming up with a, a products. And we're just like, what can we do? We're passionate about this. Can we create something that will employ other people as well, as well as ourselves? And in the second year of university, we decided to, to launch Uzurika NY, which was more like we had nothing. It, was, it wasn't Uzurika NY, it was like a table and the two of us. And I had a summer job. I bought. I had sixty thousand francs, which is like approximately hundred dollars back then. And um, I bought a sewing machine. I put it in my room and started learning how to sew. Use you know, start researches. I started learning and teaching myself. Um, 
And that's, I would say that's where Uzurika and Y was born. That's what I can say to introduce the, the, the brand and, and the story of it all. Um, uh, it's a long story, though. It's a really long story. We would have to talk for a very long time. Maybe we can have another episode on that. But honestly, it's really, really great to hear. And I really love the story and the way that, you know, it started by, you know, teaching yourself. And, and learning by yourself and really being pragmatic to say, hey, we are young people. We don't know what's going to be, uh, what's the future going to hold for us. So let's make something happen for ourselves. And that's really the very, I would say, essence of entrepreneurship and, and quite inspirational and very role model-like. So that's really great. It was more for us than it was for anyone else. But then as we continue to learn, we just realize that there are so many people who do not have opportunities, an opportunity to be educated, and especially the formal education, because it's really expensive and it's very hard, especially for women. So as we continued learning, we realized our communities was is lacking opportunities that are involving learning skills or know-how skills, practical um, uh, knowledge that could really help them. And, uh, and uh, today, of course, th there are two things that I can say that our company is solving. We're solving two problems. One is unemployment, which is a crisis across Africa, especially among the youth and the women. Number two, we're also, our brand is very focused on creating an eco-friendly environment where we're recycling uh, old car tires, turn them into durable and fashionable, I would say, fashionable souls that are really uh, changing the way communities live today. I'm going to say more about it because when you go, let's say, in the slums of Kigali or anywhere in Africa, go to Angola, Kenya, South Africa, anywhere in Africa, you realize there are always dumps or landfills that are filled with old car tires. And the more society grows, the more cars we use and the more these... Um, tires are filled in landfills and it takes at least up to 80 years for a rubber tire to decompose while polluting the water, air, and even becoming nurseries for mosquitoes that carry a lot of diseases. So, and these, these landfills, they usually sometimes they just fill and they start dumping the uh, tires into the neighborhoods, usually urban neighborhoods and they're inhabited by um, single mothers or families that are a little bit more vulnerable than others. So it becomes a whole issue than just attire. It becomes a health issue. It becomes a big problem for the climate. And today they are considered some of the most uh, problematic sources of waste in the world. So we're trying to go around removing them from the landfills and creating uh, beautiful, beautiful outdoors um, that our customers enjoy today. And yeah, we're happy to keep uh, continue doing this and, and telling our story and, and the stories of the people who are actually uh, making these shoes and putting them to the market. And it has become such um, a lifestyle, especially in Rwanda. It's a brand that is locally celebrated by people. Today, we're employing over... Um, in different fields, whether it's the people who are selling, who are producing, who are collecting outsiders, over 85 people. And the number could go higher as we get more opportunities as well. Let me talk a little bit more about the training that we created. The, the problem started from the beginning because I remember the first person we worked with, we had to train them to think like nothing is impossible. 
because there was this mentality of, oh, that's not possible. This is not possible. You can't create a shoe from scratch. It's never been done before. It was more like solving an issue that was internal, which is we don't have skilled labor. And we don't have, even if the skilled labor was there, we don't have money to pay them. So uh, the program was born out of frustration that we have to produce a product, but we don't have anyone who can produce it. First, we just asked people around, do you know anyone who wants to learn the crafts of shoemaking? Then we received like five people. We hired like two of them. Then we continued like that. Later on, we realized we needed more people. We launched an announcement on the radio where we say we asked people to apply for the program and we wanted then 50 people. We received over 300 applications then. And um, we were like, what are we going to do? Because we cannot afford to train 300 people and we, do, we can't even hire 300 people. So we had to re-strategize and think of how we can leverage this and actually make opportunities for uh, these people because it seemed, I mean, it, it was more like people are desperate or especially young people and women are desperate to learn, get knowledge so that they can use that on the labor market and also potentially create micro and small businesses. So um, I remember just convincing my business partners and saying, we have to do this. We have to create this program and, and, and make sure that we have a scoop and write something and put it out there. By then, we introduced the products to different organizations that really helped us, uh, SES, organizations from Germany, um, and that really helped to bring experts who could train people. Um, and it continued like that over and over again. And the first batch that we trained became trainers that are training today. So we don't have to continuously bring labor from outside. And so far we have trained over 1,060 people, um, some through practical skills, others through soft skills or somehow together. And it has been such a great, great turnout because now there are at least 10 young people who have created small businesses. And among all those people, we, could, we continue to give way more chances to women um, than uh, uh, men because women have it harder when it comes to uh, getting, uh, being employed or even getting uh, skills. And I can see really, you know, as you tell the story, how this has evolved, especially like in your mind, you mentioned in the beginning that your idea was to solve unemployment, especially in the youth. And mm -hmm. you built this training program. So you're even creating and, and contributing to create the skilled labor force, you know, either if they stay with you at Uzuri or if they, or if they go ahead and create their own businesses or join other companies. So you're really Absolutely. actively contributing to, to create this, this skills in, in, the, in the youth. That's really a great, um, you know, a great initiative of yours and that you're, you have been able to implement that. And the other thing that I heard that you, you explained throughout is the part that you're also contributing to, I would say, the circular economy. So you're using, you know, you're basing your whole um, products to some extent on waste, you know. So you're making sure that all this that's going, that's going unused and just standing in the environment and polluting and... Um, also influencing diseases, you, you mentioned malaria before, you're really taking that and bringing it to another level and say, hey, we have a resource here, even though it's considered waste, and we can make something out of it. 
Can you um, explain briefly, you know, what has been your impact so far? You know, how have you been able to quantify? You have the training program, obviously. You have created jobs as well. Uh, your company has grown, I, I assume, as well. So tell me a bit about the, the impact uh, of your company so far. Oh, great, great question. So um, the, the company today is, well, obviously no longer a table and the two of us. It's more now more people and a team of people who are continuously working together to build this idea of an eco-friendly brand in Africa. Um, and actually, I can proudly say it's the first um, footwear brand manufacturer uh, shoe anything related in Rwanda. And it's still leading the industry today. Um, and on top of that, of course, we have created retail business out of it where we establish um, retail stores uh, in, in Rwanda now, therefore. And of course, for the past few years, we also were able to sell in Kenya. And plus, we have been able to um, reach the international market through e-commerce, uh, whether it's on our websites or other platforms that are out there. So um, I would say that it, it, we have been able to grow not just um, an impactful company to the community, but also a profitable company uh, that is, um, I would say, investment ready on the growth stage where today we are confidently speaking to um to investors. We had just, we also received an investment few years ago so it, it's it's really um, a combination of both. Our business model is very tricky, but it's very functional. It takes time, but it's very functional where I would say business mixes with social entrepreneurship um, and it becomes a whole other entity. Uh, but uh, we are confidently growing the brand using a franchise. Now we're approaching actually the uh, retail part of the business by using a franchising um, um, model. Maybe one day we will open in Zurich <laughs> or in Switzerland. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, through a franchising model because I, I think uh, companies like IKEA have successfully used that model and it works really well. Last year, I attended the Acumen and IKEA Social Entrepreneurship Accelerator Program where we actually, one of my mentors was a senior member of IKEA and is still, she still is. And I learned so much about franchising and how you do it and how you build a brand Bible to building, um, to uh, convincing people that this is a brand worth investing in putting their money in and, and attaching their names to it. So um, in terms of business, that's all I can say for now. Uh, there's so much more going on, but some of it sometimes it's more confidential. It's not public yet, but yeah, that is uh, what I can say now. It's really great to see how you're already looking, you know, forward and see and asking yourselves, you know, where can we bring this? How can we grow? How can, you know, we, how can we make even more impact and, reach more people to tell our stories. So that's really, really good. Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask how the, you know, the current pandemic has affected your, your activities. 
So yeah, the pandemic, as you, as you can see, I didn't even mention it because it was such a difficult time. When it happened, when they first detected the first case in Rwanda, I we actually had opened a new store in Kigali and just like that, boom. Like one day after we opened the store, it just closes, everything closes, the whole country is under lockdown and we're just wondering what just happened. We were just living life like it's normal. But then, to be honest, um, so much happened. It was such a tough situation for uh, our health system as well. Uh, Not only the government, but especially the the, the health system. And we really um, understood this, how it is and how it's going to be uh, for the next uh, few years. And one thing that we did was to communicate with our stakeholders, whether it's partners, employees, um, customers, just communication, communication, telling them that we're not going anywhere because we we have to, we're, we're kind of survivors. You know, when you're an entrepreneur in Africa, you are a survivor. There's so much that happened that you have to solve. There, there's always tragedies. So you're kind of used to having such things happening. Even if I can say that it was such much a bigger tragedy than the rest, but it was more like, oh, things like this happen. So what can we do? Let's re-strategize. Let's look at people. Let's meet people. Um, and let's communicate to our partners and, and our uh, stake, all of our stakeholders so that we can remain in business. Let's keep our employees. That was a very major discussion how are we going to take care of employees and during this time when nobody's literally nobody's working? So we try to keep everybody busy, introducing courses, introducing um, ideas of what they can be doing during the lockdown so that nobody feels like even if we decided to pay people, nobody feels like, oh, I'm getting paid and I'm home and I'm doing nothing. You know, it doesn't feel like that. So um, it, it was a very tough moment, but we, we continued raising money here and there, trying to, to fill in so that we can be able to pay employees and and keeping our businesses open, of course. That's really great to hear. And I have to say, it's, it's an amazing example of resilience and also overcoming challenge by, by keeping, you know, by staying engaged with your stakeholders and your employees. So that's really very role model like again i can only use this word role model whenever i listen to you talking because you're a trailblazer and you're just showing the way forward you know like don't give up and just find solution to whatever comes at you thank you so so much so maybe one one last question on how do you see this whole entrepreneurial scene um especially in Rwanda or even in East Africa, if you have some connections, you say that you open retail store in Kenya, for example. How do you see this evolving, especially women uh, being entrepreneurs and activities or the next steps that you could share for your brand? When it comes to the future of entrepreneurship, especially for women in Africa, it's just so promised because um, the numbers show us that 58% of entrepreneurs in in Africa pursuing, creating SMEs, small and medium enterprises, is made of women. That's 58% of all enterprises created in Africa. However, when you go to numbers of women uh, requesting loans from the bank or having access to finance in any way, is lower, 34% than men. Um, And that is a challenge. When I started business, 
I didn't even know those numbers. They were nowhere to be found. But today people are starting to pay attention to what women are doing. And that is a great, great thing. The start of a conversation is the beginning of just finding solutions. So um, women future in women's future in business is very bright, but we need to be persistent and continue talking about these things. And today this is such a great opportunity for me to be able to voice what's going on and talk about my business so that someone else can be inspired and know what's going on. One more person is going to learn what I just said. And that is very, very important. And when it comes to Uzuri Kenwai, we're seeing Uzuri Kenwai as the one of the biggest shoe brands in Africa. We have shoe brands in Africa, like uh, some of our competitors that have been known, and none of them are truly African. None of them have been uh, uh, are owned by Africans. So we are creating a brand that could that could potentially be the biggest brand of footwear manufacturers, or even um, also recognized in the whole world, but mostly leading the African. Uh, footwear uh, industry. The future is sustainability and the future is absolutely African enterprises, especially women-owned enterprises. Wow, that's really, really beautifully said. I couldn't agree more with that. And whoever didn't know that, you know, women are making things happen in Africa, well, you are the living example, the living proof of that. And uh, I really hope that, you know, as you say, more people pay attention especially that more people um, support women in finding funds and capital to start their businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you right. so much, Kevin. It was really, really great to have this short discussion with you. That was episode 12, a conversation with Kevin Kagirimundu. What a fabulous young entrepreneur. She has truly earned her place among the heroes creating change across Africa. I have selected a few resources for you in the show notes, including the link to Uzuri KNY's website. But I want to highlight this particular one, which is the TEDx talk that Kevin gave in 2019. This talk is titled Passion as a Tool to Start and Build a Business. Absolutely inspiring. I highly recommend you spare 12 minutes of your time to listen to it. So that's it. We've kicked up season two. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this new episode. I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate your support. Our listeners community keeps on growing. Don't forget to stay updated through our social media handles. We are on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and now also on Facebook. So make sure you engage with us on those platforms. Tune in again in two weeks for the next episode. Until then, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios.